church family. I'm excited to be with you this morning. I hope that you have had a good week. I hope that this week has been productive for you, um, but also restful for you as well. I know that each of us does need and look for different aspects uh, to our our weeks, but I hope that that you are finding some form of comfort and and solace in in this new normal. Um, I'm looking forward to the time that we're going to be together again uh, but this is not that week, uh, but hopefully it is coming very, very soon. Um, this morning we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 24. This is the first resurrection appearance that we see recorded in the Gospel of Luke. It is evident before this story that, that Jesus is alive, or at least Jesus is no longer in the tomb. Uh, but no one had seen Jesus yet until this point. And so what we're going to look at this morning is the idea of hope within despair. One of the things that we see in this text is that uh, the two followers of Jesus that we're going to encounter recognize the gravity of the situation, recognize the hopelessness of the situation, um, but also recognize the, the ministry that Jesus had prior to his death. And so they take both of those things and they hold them uh, together. They hold the, the reality of Jesus' death, but then they also hold the fact that maybe he really is the Messiah. Um, the end result of this, as we'll see, is that Jesus explains to them the purpose of his suffering. Um, so let's dig into this text this morning. I'm looking forward to it. Let's pray before we get going, though. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I ask that you would just continue to be with, with the congregation of Gasville Baptist, Lord. I ask that you would just give us each peace and comfort as we go about this new way of life. Lord, I ask that you would just continue to give us encouragement, give us peace, and give us the ability to, to share your goodness with others, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to kind of tear it apart bit by bit. Luke 24, 13 through 35. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were there, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with him. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if they were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So what we see in this text are a couple things. So first, we see the the reality or the despair that the disciple these these followers of Christ were experiencing as they were walking back. And then we see Jesus explaining scripture to the people and explaining how the the circumstances of his death and resurrection were necessary and were even found in the scriptures before all of this had happened. And then the next thing that we see is we see a response. We see these followers of Christ get up, leave what they had, and go back the trek that they had just been on. So they could tell others about the reality of Jesus' appearance, that he was really alive. So there's a few things that I want to highlight. So let's, let's dig into this text a little bit more. So first we're going to start with this idea of the despair, or just some context as to why the disciples, or these followers of Christ, were walking on the road. It was Passover. The Passover festivities had just wrapped up. It was the beginning of the new week. They were beginning to begin the next process, the next step in this festival. And so they were returning home, or, or returning at least to a place that they were staying at. Um, they were familiar with Jesus, so this probably could have been their home. Um, if not, they were at least um, close to Jerusalem, close to the area, and they were trying. They were just finding lodging that was close to where the festival, where Passover was taking place in Jerusalem. Uh, this this Emmaus um, 
it could be anywhere from three miles, so make it about seven miles round trip, or about seven miles away from Jerusalem. Um, there's a couple different theories on where this town was. But they were returning back to um, some sort of normal after the festival had taken place. And they were discussing the things that had happened. Um, it doesn't say whether they actually went to the tomb or not, but they, all, they were very aware that something had happened with Jesus' body but they were not sure what really happened. But the way that they are talking, the way that they are speaking, demonstrates both sadness, concern about what's going on, but also they haven't given up hope completely. They recognize that, that this Jesus was powerful in both the words that he spoke and the things that he did. During this time, there were several other folks that claimed to be a Messiah and had a following. And they claimed to be the, the, the one that God had, was sending to, to reclaim um, Israel for Israel's sake. Um, but Jesus was different than the rest of them. Um, one of the things that we see in this text is just the way that, that Jesus had a, a ability to speak and communicate that was different than others. So also what we see in this is that the, the followers of Jesus, they, they had been at least... Um, on the outside, watching him consistently, they, they knew something about him, and they knew what to expect, but they didn't know exactly. And so then this, this man that's walking on this, the road, which is actually Jesus, comes up to them, and he acts oblivious to, to what is going on. Clearly, this would have been uh, pretty popular, pretty big news um, in, in, for the people. But he acts like he doesn't know what's going on. They explain to him, and you see in the way that they explain that there is hope, even though there is great doubt. Um, a little bit of both is mixed in with this. But what this man does, what Jesus does, is then he explains to them the role and the purpose um, of, of his death and his resurrection. So often when the idea of the Messiah was discussed, uh, within the Jewish circles, there was an expectation that it would be a political leader, a military leader, that would come in that would set Israel and the, both the people and the, um, the the country itself free from other from oppression and enslavement by other people. Um, and so it was an assumption that it was going to be a very very good thing. What we see in this text, though, is that. Jesus says, hey, like I, suffering is part of it. That is the, that is the role of the Messiah. The, the role of the Messiah was to suffer. And that was a very foreign concept for the Jewish folks. Today, we, we read Isaiah 53, and we immediately jump to the idea of a suffering servant, and that was Jesus. But for the Jewish people, that was, that was very foreign for them. And so what we see here is Jesus explains Scripture, starting in Moses, going all the way through the Old Testament, explaining who he was, why he had to come, why he had to die, why he had to come back to life. We don't have ex Jesus' exact words recorded in this. But one thing that we can look towards is Acts chapter 5. We see um, uh, Stephen, right before his stoning, we see Stephen uh, presenting the gospel message throughout Scripture to the Pharisees and the Sadducees that had him on trial. Um, and so he presents wh who Jesus is throughout the Old Testament. 
And so that isn't necessarily exactly what Jesus spoke, but that's probably a pretty good outline or a good model of what, what was said. So I encourage you, if you want to know how the early church understood Jesus being in all of Scripture, I'd encourage you to read Acts chapter 5 this week. Um, we can see just the, the beauty and intentionality that, that the Father had uh, from the very beginning in providing salvation, providing hope, and providing a freedom for us in these moments. Um, something that is, is often gets lost. Um, I didn't really pick up on these things growing up, but after I got to see, after seeing how uh, God has been at work from the very beginning, Jesus and his death was not plan C. Jesus and his death was plan A from the very beginning. Adam and Eve's sin didn't take God by surprise at all. Uh, God had to always come in human form, and, and suffer and die and sacrifice for himself to, to, to pay that debt of sin that, that was evident and it was made a reality in Adam and Eve's disobedience. And so I want to encourage you to, to seek that out. Um, I was reading a commentary this week that said that we don't truly understand and truly see Scripture in its fullness when we are looking at it without seeing Jesus as being the main character. So often we try to put ourselves as the main character, or what is the moral lesson that this text can provide for me as an individual? But uh, we can find that sometimes. But the main character in the Bible will always and is always Jesus Christ. It's always pointing to either the sacrifice that he has done or the sacrifice that is necessary. And because we as individuals are unable to attain that uh, relationship with with God, with the Father, because of sin. And it's a beautiful thing that God provided a way out for us um, in that. So the next thing that we see in this is, is that the men continue to walk on their way, and God, Jesus explains um, himself throughout Scripture. The next thing that happens is um, there's going to be a, a, a parting of ways. Um, the the people, the two walking back to Emmaus are going to go one way and the, the man, Jesus, is going to continue walking. But they encourage, they, they request that he spend the night with them and eat with them. And there's some form of definitely community and a bond that is formed in this moment. Um, J.C. Ryle, um, in, one of his, in his commentary on the book of Luke, uh, discusses the, the importance of the fact that that God, or Jesus, oftentimes, especially in this text, but in other areas as well, he, he encourages us to, to request from him. It's not something that's just handed. It's not something that's just given. Um, because Jesus could have just revealed himself immediately right then and there and said, like, hey, this is who I am. But he explained the larger picture before just saying, hey, this is what I am. Personal experience is important, but biblical foundation is, is vital and key. And what we see here is that, that with what Ryle, J.C. Ryle has to say, is that, that Jesus often will ask us um, to, to, to not beg necessarily, but to, to request more, to request deeper. It's not something that's just handed to us on a silver platter, but we have to go after it. And so, because what we see here is Jesus is just um, going to, he's going to keep moving on, but they request that he stick around. They request that he stay. In these moments, um, where, where have 
I mean, in my own life, I mean, just recently in the last several weeks, there have been aspects where I have leaned much more heavily on Christ, and I've requested much more of Christ. And there's there's other times there's, in these same period, the same period that I I have not sought deeper. I've not sought more. I've just kind of been like, well, give me by, and then we'll be okay. Um, so I want to encourage you. Use your quarantine time wisely. Um, continue to grow in your relationship with Christ. Seek what he has for you individually during this time, but also seek what he has for you for the, for the life of the church overall during this time as well. And so Jesus sticks around, and then they begin to eat, and he breaks bread, and at that moment, after the bread is broken and blessed and handed out, there's a recognition that this is Jesus. Um, there could potentially be some uh, correlation between this and the, the Last Supper, but this is most likely more of a correlation with the feeding of the 5,000 that we find earlier in Luke. Um, there is a, a time when Jesus blesses the bread and breaks the bread and, and, and provides food for, for a mass. And this is, this is probably more along the lines, it, it's not not the Lord's Supper, but it's definitely more looking at the idea of the way that he fed a large multitude. And when there's a recognition, Jesus vanishes. Um, what we see in this is, this is kind of weird, this is kind of odd, but this isn't out of line for the way that Luke wrote. Luke wrote with a very, like, with an eye towards the supernatural aspect of who Jesus was. Um, Luke chapter 4 may be one of my favorite passages in Scripture because uh, Jesus is either handed or picks up the scroll of Isaiah and begins to read this during a regular uh, service, uh, synagogue service, and he reads this scroll from Isaiah, and it talks about um, Jesus, or the, the Messiah coming uh, and, and be setting captives free and providing sight to the blind, um, the, the idea of the Messiah coming and, and making things right. And, and Jesus reads it and puts it away and says, like, it's been fulfilled, here I am. Um, the people get really mad, and they start to push him off a cliff, and he just walks in their midst and just walks away from the danger. Uh, that picture is so incredible to me, partly because of the supernatural aspect of it, but also just the fact that Jesus um, was very, not always, but oftentimes was very upfront and said, like, hey, this is, this is who I am and this is what I'm about. Um, but people would reject that and people would run from that. And so um, we see this picture of Jesus presenting himself and then disappearing. And when we pick back up in the story in, in verse 36, we actually see that Jesus has appeared to the 11. And uh, he has presented himself alive to them as well. And so that Jesus has already presented himself before the either before or right after or during the time that these two disciples make their way back to Jerusalem. But the immediate response is not to stick around and, and take a nap, uh, to finish their meal, that hour they got up and they left and they retraced their steps and they went back to Jerusalem. They went back to Jerusalem to tell people, Jesus really is alive. The tomb is not just empty, but Jesus is really, really alive. So there is, a, there is um, action in, in Jesus appearing to them and they, they have a response. They definitely respond and they say, Jesus is alive, we've got to tell other people.
And so, um, and then another piece before they they actually uh, return to Jerusalem, they they start talking amongst themselves, and they realize who Jesus was. And they say, "Did not our hearts burn within us?" It's important to recognize that this isn't just an emotional reaction. This is not just friendship. This is not just butterflies. This is something deeper. This is spiritual truths, spiritual relationship, spiritual encouragement being shared back and forth. Um, the scriptures were opened up to these people and their hearts burned within them. This isn't just a good feeling. This is truth. This is the word of God being revealed to them in a practical manner. And so I want to encourage you all. Um, during this time, though we're not able to be physically with each other, I want to encourage you to, I'm sure it's happening. I know it's happening. But I want to encourage you to, to take it further, to, to, to make sure that though we're not meeting physically, that we are continuing to encourage, continuing to share scripture with one another, continuing to grow and point one another to Christ. It's very easy to get focused on ourselves during this time because we're supposed to be isolated, but we need to make sure that we're also reaching out to other folks that, that, that also need some encouragement. And even people that may not, you may not think, oh, they might need some encouragement. Everybody needs encouragement. Everybody needs spiritual community. And so I want to encourage you, make sure that that's something that you are either both uh, taking part in, receiving, but also giving as well. So, what do you do with something, with a message like this? Or what do you do uh, with this text? Um, I think that there's, there's several different ways that you as an individual can apply what, is, what this text says. But a few things that, that I want to encourage you in is, first, are you despairing? Is your life, is your, is your outlook bent more towards despair, more towards the negativity? I want to encourage you to look to Christ, look to the hope, um, I think that so often we Christianity is kind of labeled as this like well it's just you just ignore all the bad things and just keep you just focus on only good things or and you're out of touch with reality but I, I think that that appropriate Christianity embraces and understands and recognizes the role of reality but is also focused on the better but focused on the greater there's much more to this world than just um, just this brokenness and just this heartache and pain. And so I think that it's a little bit of both. I think that it's appropriate to recognize the reality, but also of what we're currently living in, but also recognize the greater reality of who Jesus is and what he's already purchased, what he's already bought, and what he's already accomplished. So I want to encourage you, plug into that, that hope. Don't despair. And I, I don't think I was very clear in, in how I see that, but what they say in the text is that we had hoped that he was the Messiah. So it's still there. The glimmer's still there, but they're not sure how that applies anymore because he's dead but no longer in his tomb. But where is he? Um, they still have, they've still held on to hope. Um, they still have some form of faith. They haven't given up completely, but they're not sure what the future holds. And so I want to encourage you. Yes. It, this is a weird time, but don't give up hope. Focus on Christ and seek what he has for you. The next thing is just the idea of community. Do you have a community around you that is growing you, that is spurning you onwards towards looking at what Christ has? Also, are you being that 
instigator of community as well. Are you sharing what God is doing in your life? Are you sharing what God has done in your life? I'll encourage you to make sure that that is a piece. And, and let that not be just something that's what we experience for the next uh, while, next season. Let that be something that begins something new. I think that this is demonstrated, this season has demonstrated a lot of different things. There's a lot of takeaways from the, just what we've experienced. But I think it's important to realize that, um, especially that first couple of those first weeks, those first days of like, how do we continue to do church? Well, I, th I think that the, the necessity of community, both in seasons of constant fellowship and in seasons of, of, of social distancing, we need to make sure that that community is a top priority. And the last thing is I just want to encourage you to use your quarantine wisely. Make sure that you're growing individually. Make sure you're growing as a group. Uh, one of the things that keeps coming to my mind is the fact that this is this is like almost a forced rest. Um, I think that it's great to spend, if, 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 a, if a day or a see, uh, an afternoon of sitting on the couch and watching Netflix is, is, is good for you, then make that something that's that's a part of your life. But look at ways to be more intentional with your time, but also uh, begin new habits. This is a reset on the way that we do life now. We don't have meetings and activities and uh, commitments that we have to be at. Um, what of those things are vital? What are those things? What of those things are things that may be detracting from from quality of life or from uh, family time, or from personal um, health? I just want to encourage you to to begin to process through what what does it look like on the other end of this. Um, begin to set goals and begin to set um, expectations for what life needs to look like on the other end. Don't waste this time. So I think it's, it's, it's important to look at, at this, since Easter's over, to look at Jesus when he began to appear to people. The people had no evidence, no solid evidence that, that things were exactly how they were, were claiming to be. But there was evidence that something different had happened. And so um, something different has happened. But let's let's continue to focus, continue to keep our mind on on Christ and what He's doing. I want to encourage you that if you don't have a relationship with with Christ, if you this is all foreign to you, or it's not foreign to you, and you just haven't you have not made that decision personally, I want to encourage you to contact me in the office, contact me, uh, contact the the church overall. There is someone that would love to walk through what that means um, for you. Um, let's pray. And then I want to close with another scripture. Lord, I just thank you again for this time. I ask that you would just continue to grow us and strengthen us. I ask that you would uh, let us see a glimpse of the larger purpose of what's going on. I ask that you would just help us utilize this time that we have in in isolation wisely. In Jesus' name, amen. One thing that I want to do is I want to close the passage. On, on Wednesday, we looked at, for the youth, we looked at Philippians chapter 4, and just the idea of rejoicing inside of sorrow, rejoicing inside of, of pain. 
and I want to, to read a passage in, John, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. This is how Paul ends 20 and 21. And I think this is a, a beneficial and helpful um, view for the rest of, the rest of our, our season now, but then also just a, a refocus for us as individual believers. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Our citizenship is in heaven, and God will fix us bodily, but he will also continue to fix us spiritually on this earth. I hope you have a great day, and I hope you have a great week. Be blessed. Hi, Gospel Baptist Church. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Joey Dye, and I'm one of the church deacons. As we all know, with this virus, the COVID-19 consuming our land has affected everyone at some point and some extent in their life, some more than others. I want to encourage you not to fear the sickness or what the outcome may be, because God is in complete control. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, God is reassuring his people that he alone is in control of all things. In verse 10 of Isaiah 41, God says to his people, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So in the days, the weeks, and months ahead, pray for one another, for our country, and for the lost. I miss you all, and hope soon we will be able to gather together for worship and for fellowship.